When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With the fourth pick in the NFL draft, the New York Jets select... Evan Neal is just different. Jets fans, it's time for the Underwear Olympics. We are in the week of the NFL Combine. Welcome back to draft season. As we're recording this now, everyone's talking about which players are going to test, which players are not going to test. Unfortunately, we're not going to see Drake London run. In test this week, he's going to test out his pro day. I know my guy, Joe Bellick, is very upset about that. Some people might say it's a red flag. We don't know. We don't have to go there. But I'll start with Dylan. How are you? I'm doing great, Meeks. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, I need to let the listeners know that uh, our guy, James Kuntz, is not going to be here this week. James just kept talking to us about uh, Nicobe Dean's major and what he double majored in and what his uh, GPA was. So we decided to give him the week off. But, uh, yeah, he'll be back next week. Don't you worry, Joe. A little combine talk, the last big piece of the puzzle for a lot of these prospects. What are your thoughts going into this week? I'm pumped about the combine. I'm sad that, like, we're doing this episode before we get to see some of these drills. But, yeah, a little sad about Drake London as well. I definitely wanted to see him run that 40, although I'm definitely sold on him as a prospect. Regardless, dude, it should be fun. I mean, we're getting closer to the draft, and, like, this is what we're all here for, man. I love the combine. I mean, I even sometimes in the past have taken off – from work just to watch the combine. That's how much I'm into it. Like it's a vacation day for me. Um, so really pumped. We're going to do a five round pre combine mock draft first five rounder this season. So that should be a lot of fun. And hopefully we build a good team. Yeah, no, I know it's really, we're all going to put our hats on, you know, we, everyone's going to have autonomy over certain picks. We got to see if we're going to have anyone pulling their hair out by the end of it. But I really just think we should just get started. And Dylan, you're going to be on the clock at four. Dylan's actually gone in a lot of different directions at the top of the draft, so I'm very curious to see where his head's at at this point in time. All right, so I'll kick my mock off with the fact that Evan Neal was the first overall pick in this simulation, then Hutch, then Hamilton. So in this situation, to me, it comes down to two guys, and that's Kayvon Thibodeau, obviously the edge from Oregon, or a guy who I've talked about on this podcast and really changed my tune on from the start of this season to now, and that is uh, Iki Aquanu, a guy who has really solidified himself as probably the second or third best offensive lineman in this class. I think a lot of people could even make the case maybe he's the first best offensive lineman in this class. So 
In my opinion, for me, I will keep it short and sweet because we've talked about him a lot the last two weeks. And for me, I'm going to go with a guy who I think could be harnessed into one of the most ferocious edge rushers in football. I have, like we've talked about, been underwhelmed. I think all four, and obviously James isn't here, all four of us have been at times, but I think uh, I think he can be a beast. And I'm going to go with Kayvon Thibodeau with the fourth overall pick. Oh my God. Look at me. Look at the smile on his face. Beautiful. Love it. Love it. Already started the mock off perfectly. Dylan knows it's all about hitting the other team's quarterback and surrounding your quarterback with talent. They know this, that's, that's today's NFL, baby. Joe, little birdie told me the Detroit lions are very high on Kyle Hamilton. I don't think the agent Hutchinson dream is dead quite yet. No, it's dead. Meeks. It's over. I don't think it's dead quite yet. I'm not even going to start thinking about that. I don't want to like all of a sudden get my hopes up and all of a sudden Aiden Hutchinson goes to the Lions. The kid went to Michigan. He's made for Detroit. Like it's not, they're definitely picking. This is a generational safety as many people like to tell me. So I'm just saying, well, you know, maybe the guys in Detroit haven't been the most astute, you know, over the years, but I'm thinking that they're not going to pass on Hutch for a safety could be wrong, but that's how I feel. But I do want to kick it back to Dylan because Dylan, my one thing here with taking Thibodeau, and I'm, I'm perfectly fine with it. I'd be ecstatic if they took Thibodeau. I just want people to know that considering I did bash him a little bit last week, but I just wanted to like open people's eyes to the fact that he wasn't a perfect prospect. Don't you think taking somebody like Aquanu here just gives them a whole lot more flexibility in the long run in this draft? Yes and no. I think that uh, I think if there's anybody who's the number two O-line guy on this uh, on this pod, it may be me. And I do heavily value the offensive line. But in my opinion, I'm going to kind of let Joe Douglas make his moves in free agency and in the later rounds of the draft for a change and not go offensive lineman for the first round or in the first round for the first time since he's been general manager of the New York Jets and try to maybe hope he lands one of these because there are some really solid interior free agents set to hit the market and even a couple good tackle options. So let's hope that he can solidify the line of free agency and then maybe grab a couple development guys in the fourth, fifth rounds of the draft and hope maybe he can make something happen. And I think this is just more of a different approach he could take. I think a lot of the debate we've had to this point has kind of skewed a little more towards the offensive line, I would say. Um, so I think this is just a different approach and more of putting the ball in Douglas's court to make some moves in free agency and hoping that Thibodeau can form a really ferocious pass rushing duo with Carl Lawson. Yeah, I'm hoping that if they went in this direction, they signed somebody like James Daniels, James Daniels. in free agency, yes. which would make this pick make, well, a lot more sense for me. Agreed. Anyway, moving on to number 10 for you, Meeks. What's going on over there? I mean, number 10. I mean, I, I've said my ideal mock. I think I said this back in December. I said it in January. I said it last month. I'll say it in March, and I'll say it in April. The dream scenario at 4 and 10 for me is Kayvon Thibodeau at 4 and Ohio State's Garrett Wilson at 10. I'm taking Garrett Wilson. I'm very curious what he runs tomorrow night. Um, some people think he's only a 4 or 5 guy. I think he's going to be in the high 4 fours. I really don't care about his long speed. He does everything else really well. I think his 10 and 20 yard splits are going to really show how explosive a football player he is. He said it himself at his interview during his media availability day that, you know, he's a guy who plays bigger than his size. He's a guy who can make contested catches. He's a great route runner. I just think he's a very, very talented football player. I love him and Elijah Moore together. You know, it's just a simple pick. Traylon Burks and Drake London would be fun. I wouldn't knock the Jets for going in that direction if they decide they want a bigger body, but Garrett Wilson's the best receiver in the draft and get Zach as much talent as you can. 
so me because I joked on Twitter that I have like 20 guys in my top 10, my top 10 wide receivers, that is not in my actual top 10, just to clarify. So, I mean, this wide receiver class is just so deep. And like, I am, listen, I'm cool with taking a wide receiver there, but I mean, that's not swaying you at all. What my answer to this is like, cause Jameson Crowder is gone. Braxton Berrios, I'd say he's 50, 50 that he comes back. I think Keelan Cole is gone. I don't expect anything from Denzel Mims. I hope Corey Davis bounces back. And I think he will have a much better season. But to me, when I look at how deep this wide receiver class is and the fun guys that you can get between like the end of round three and maybe the end of round four in that middle section, it just makes me want to take two of them and just really have like that bigger developmental guy and have the take the premium guy in the top 10. So that's really where my mind's at when it comes to receiver because I don't love the veteran wide receiver options in free agency or that are probably going to be available through trade. And I don't know if they're going to get like shop in that middle tier free agency for receivers like they did with Keelan Cole. So taking two wide receivers in this draft, if you can go into this draft with that being one of your bigger needs and knocking them out, I think it's a smart decision. Also, if you look moving forward, I know the last couple of years, it's always been, this is a generational receiver class. This is a generational receiver class. And we just keep saying that year after year. And I know this is my first year with you guys, but that's been something that's been the sentiment through all the past few draft classes. And if, even if you look ahead to 2023, you got Jackson Smith and the Jigba, you got Parker Washington, Josh Downs, Jordan Addison. Like you've already got guys who have emerged in their year before they come out as potential stars. I mean, I think we're going to be having this conversation again next year with a couple guys of, oh, you know, this is a can't-miss receiver class. So I think making this swing and getting your guy at this point is not a bad move. But I could also see your case, Joe, where like, oh, maybe wait and let's add a guy in free agency and maybe we decide next year we're that one receiver away and let's grab a guy in the first round. So I could see both sides, but I think that if the Jets really fall in love with Garrett Wilson, there's no reason they shouldn't take him at 10. No, I'm perfectly fine with them taking Garrett Wilson here or any wide receiver. You know, Drake London, I'm even cool with Traylon Burks, even though I have some issues with his route running. But I also like that approach that you were saying, Meeks, of double dipping at wide receiver. And because it's so deep, but not actually going in the first round and double dipping later, maybe the second, third, yeah. fifth round. I feel like, yeah, there is a lot of talk of how this could be a generational kind of wide receiver class. And we do hear that a lot. I hear what you're saying, Dylan. But at the same time, I mean, I don't know that I've ever, and maybe this is because the seniors came back seen a class where I legitimately thought that there was like about 10 guys who could have thousand yard seasons in their careers. I mean, have you ever seen a wide receiver class where you thought that uh, or maybe you don't, or maybe you don't think that about this class. I want to say the 2020 wide receiver class. I had some similar opinions to that. And I think we're seeing now, I think that wide receiver class is at least six or seven guys who've done it now. That was the Pittman, the Higgins, the Jefferson, the CD, the Judy class. I think that was a really deep class, and that had more premium talent, I think, at the top of it or in that regard. But I do agree with you that this is a very – while they don't have the Jamar Chase, and I think Garrett Wilson's fantastic, um, they are one of the more deeper classes that I can remember. All right, cool. I agree. We'll see what happens. You know, I'm not, certainly not going to complain if Garrett Wilson is the pick. But I guess moving on to me at pick 35, right? That's where I'm at. So we got Kayvon Thibodeau. We got Garrett Wilson. I'm not going to lie. I would not be opposed to double dipping on edge here. I feel like with Kayvon Thibodeau, I think when you look at the defensive line, we're not really sure if JFM is the perfect fit. So somebody like Logan Hall is really appealing to me right here. And man, I'm just like kind of itching to take him. 
and just having just a dominant defensive line. I mean, when you look at what the 49ers did in the playoffs this year, how they pretty much took the Cowboys soul with that defensive line, how they made Rodgers look pedestrian, how they were really in that game against the Rams because they shut down that, that run game. And obviously Cup and Odell had their way. So that could be maybe a little bit case to be made for those people who want cornerback, you know, because that definitely was an issue for them. But that defensive line certainly was just a huge, huge reason why they were as successful as they were. And adding somebody like Logan Hall, where you can now maybe kick JFM to the inside would be like really appealing for me because I think JFM is probably better suited to play as a three technique anyway. And even Dan Essien came on here and said, the same thing. And I'm, I'm starting to lean in that direction as well. And I'm sorry, like Carl Lawson and Kayvon Thibodeau could be a dynamic duo, but that's not like the starting edge guys in a solid defense. Like JFM is still probably going to be the guy on base downs. And so I would rather see them bring in somebody who could take over that role. And I think he's just like this prototypical Salah strong side defensive end, very much in the same mold of an Arik Armstead. So like, man, he's staring at me right in the face, but I got to tell you, there's another guy who I didn't think was going to slip here. And I'm hoping we address this particular need in free agency, but obviously this is before free agency. So I'm going to pick another guy here. Daxton Hill, safety for Michigan. This team needs a free safety to man the middle of the field. And Daxton Hill is the perfect middle fielder for this defense. I think he's a good replacement for Ashton Davis. I don't think Marcus May is here. I think his days are numbered in the Jets uniform. And I think that this is a, a much bigger need than people are maybe saying. I think a lot of people are kind of talking a lot about how safety just isn't a very important position, but it is an important role on this team. This kid can play the slot. He can play in too high split safety looks. He's small, but he could play physical and handle some of the in-the-box duties as well. But the money's going to be made in that single high coverage. And if you know Salah, traditionally, he plays in single high, anywhere from like 60 to like even 70%. I know this year they were like in cover one about 40% of the time, if I'm correct, right, Meeks? And I think they're probably playing cover three around that 20% range. So even this year was in that kind of 60% range. And then even when they're in cover six, and they play a lot more cover six than people realize, you need a free safety who could handle half of that field. So having that kind of stud free safety is something that this team is desperately missing. And I just don't think that guys like Ash and Davis are, are meant to be in a starting lineup. I think they're backup caliber players. And like I said, I think May is gone. And just to like keep it real, this team also needs an in-the-box safety too. But all right, one thing at a time. So I don't know how you guys feel about this pick, but I'm going with Daxton Hill, man, right here, Michigan safety. I mean, Daxton Hill is fantastic. I think the guy you've been um, pushing, like the prototype you've been pushing for, that guy you can play safety, you could also play slot corner. Daxton Hill checks that box right away. Back to the strong safety point that you made that they still need one in the box. Paradax and Hill with a Jordan Whitehead type player, and you're cooking with some nice gas right there. Um, I got no issues with Daxon Hill. I think he's going to be a top 30 player for me again in the second round to steal as far as I'm concerned. I think he's a great athlete on top of it. And Dylan, I'll give it to you. Yeah, I'm going to echo that sentiment. I wrote about Daxton Hill a lot more in depth earlier in the season with Dylan's dimes, and I think his versatility would be something that would be a huge asset to this defense. Um, I'm kind of going to go right off of your pick here with my pick 38 and kind of piggyback off of a lot of what you said, Joe, and not really going to take up too much time because I am going to go with that defensive lineman here, and I'm going to go with trying to form a ferocious front, and I'm not going to go with Logan Hall. I'm sorry. But I'm going to go Perry on Winfrey, the beast from Oklahoma. Um, a little lighter, but you know who else was a little lighter? DeForest Buckner. And he was a fantastic defensive lineman for the San Francisco 49ers, and he's killing it with Indy right now. And I think if Winfrey can even be 
uh, three quarters of that for the New York Jets um, on this defensive front to really solidify a lot of pressure on the opposition. Like you said, it can make all the impact in the world. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go win for a year with the uh, 38th pick. All right. So, Dylan, last week you said you wouldn't do it. Now we're in the mock. I feel like it, you let it like brew a little bit for you. And now you're back on the Winfrey train. I, I love that pick, man. I got to be honest. I feel like Winfrey allows you to move on from rankings. And I don't know how much he's making this year, but probably more than you know we should be paying him, even though he was much better than some people are giving him credit for. I think it also kind of gives you a little bit of a, almost like a little preemptive strike, like I mentioned last week, in case they decide to move on from Quinn and Williams. So I think that, dude, I, I, I love it, man. I'm, I'm into it. I think that this defensive line is where Listen, it's as cliche as it is, the trenches are where games are won and lost. And adding a guy like this would be awesome. I would personally go with Logan Hall here over Winfrey, but I'm not going to complain too much about the pick. I'm into it. Yeah, and I'd say if I and I said this last week, if I was going to do it, it would be for a guy like Winfrey, who also I believe could be a New York Jet, because I think they probably loved him after spending a week with him in mobile. Yeah, um, my only critique of this pick, Dylan, because I do like Perry Winfrey, the player, a lot, and I do think that Quinnen Williams is definitely getting a second contract is something that is a 50 50 and not really like the 80 20 that you normally assume when you take a guy in the top three. And even after the strong finish he had to his second season, where I think a lot of people had more high hopes for him, but I'm really falling in love with the corners that are going to be available around this pick, the Kyler Gordons, some people think Andrew Booth might slip out of the first round. This is where Joe thought Kyrie Elam belongs all the way all the way back in October. And now this is where he's being mocked. So even I don't even think Joe would yell about that pick now, which is music to my ears. So uh, I would, it depends how they look at corner free agency. And this is where I think the sweet spot for them is, but Perrin Winfrey's a baller and I'm not going to kill you for that pick. Joe. Yeah. I do want to comment one more thing about the whole Logan Hall pick that I really wanted Dylan to address. Imagine getting Kayvon Thibodeau and then Logan Hall. I mean, does that not remind you of like John Abraham, Sean Ellis back in the day and that like ferocious pass rush that the Jets put up? I would absolutely be thrilled if they did something like that. But obviously it wasn't my pick. I mean, even though I liked it, it was wrong. Sorry, Dylan. No, I'm just playing. But um, listen, top of the third round, we've got pretty defensive heavy over here, right? I mean, one offensive player, it looks like uh, we're trying to give Salah what he needs. So let's move it back to offense. Now, I was not expecting this player to be here. I think this guy has a lot of upside uh, to even go into the second round. And listen, I, I've mentioned all these teams with, I guess you can say, lower tier quarterbacks, young developing or just average, and, and how they were all able to find success and build playoff teams. They all had three things in common, top defenses, offensive lines, and run games, whether it was Mark Sanchez, Nick Foles, Jimmy Garoppolo, or even Jared Goff when he went to the Super Bowl with the Rams. Now, we've talked a lot about the offensive line this draft season, but not enough about the run game. Yes, uh, a good offensive line could be a catalyst to a dominant run game, but stud running backs can make an offensive line look better and play a big-time role themselves in helping them extend drives, move the chains, and win games, which is what we want. And listen, that's why I'm taking Brees Hall here. And I feel or I can hear actually James cringing all the way in Chicago right now with this selection. But dude, listen, we talk a lot about juice and this guy has some serious juice. His acceleration is ridiculous through a hole. Once he puts his foot in the dirt, he's going from zero to 60 in a flash. Plus he might be the most elusive running back in the entire NFL draft. His change of direction is no joke, like poetry in motion, Michael Megan. I think this is a third round steal and I doubt he's going to be available in this spot come draft night, but I think this is kind of a no-brainer pick for me in the, in the third round. He's perfect for an outside zone system. They run a ton of it at Iowa. 
He has vision, the patience, and the creativity to be a huge asset in the run game. And I think he could be a feature back in the NFL. I think he needs to work a little bit on his pass, bro. I think that's where me and Daniel Jeremiah are a little bit different on Brees Hall. I think he said he had very good pass protection, but I, I think he definitely needs to refine his technique. And I, I do believe he's a solid receiver as well. I think he's also a really good like compliment to Michael Carter. And I feel like maybe Michael Carter could be really the one B to Brees being the one A. Because as we know, and I love Michael Carter, you know, I loved him last year as well. He's kind of having some a hard time staying on the field. And I feel like you bring in a running back like this to really kind of protect him and keep him healthy. And I think you have a dynamic running game. So I don't know how you guys are going to like this in the third round. We still are yet to address the offensive line, which is really kind of uh, not making me feel that good. But I'm going with Brees Hall right here. Man. I love this guy. Uh, Dylan, I'll let you attack this first. <laughs> I, I don't like this at all, Joe. Um, I'm sorry, but I'm looking even now ahead of your pick. So guys like Jerome Ford, Tyler Algier, Sincere McCormick, Hassan Haskins, guys in the later rounds, Tyler Beatty, a guy who I think would add a complete another dimension to this game. And then there's even other guys in the around the like earlier in that fourth round range who could still be on the board if we're lucky. I would rather bank on one of those guys. Listen, I like Brees Hall. Um, I'm going to leak. He'll probably be the top running back in my running back rankings when they come out. And uh... Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Shortly, but. I, I just don't like utilizing this pick on Hall, especially like you just said. For a guy who is such an offensive lineman heavy guy, maybe there's not a guy here who's really tickling your fancy on the board, and that's okay. But I, I'm i a little surprised, especially when there's other holes. I mean, there's other holes we could went with tight end. We could have went double down on receiver, like you said, or kind of gone somewhere else on the offensive side of the ball to help Zach Wilson. So I'm not going to hate on it because he really is my number one running back. And if they get him here, I think that's good value and he's talented, but I just don't necessarily like it. And it's probably not what I would have done, but Definitely respect it. Definitely helps out Zach Wilson. So yeah. I'm never going to be mad about that. This this offense is predicated on running the ball. If they're not running the ball effectively next year, they're not going anywhere. It's, nothing's going to be saving Zach Wilson from that. 
Everything is supposed to work off that play action pass. And to do that, you need to run the ball. Just ask Jared Goff. As soon as Todd Gurley got hurt and he had that degenerative knee condition and his career completely fell off, well, then so did really Jared Goff's time with the Rams. You know, that's pretty much why they moved on from him. They couldn't reestablish the run. They couldn't really uh, do anything past that kind of play action game. And his coach was like, listen, we, we got to go. This guy, we are limited schematically if we can't run the ball with this guy at quarterback. So I want them to be able to run the ball. Michael Carter, like I said, love him. But like, dude is like kind of small. And like I said, has had some injury issues already. And bringing in somebody like this would really kind of like rectify that situation and put them in a position to keep still running the ball down people's throat if for some reason he got hurt. And I think he could actually be the feature back, if I'm being completely honest. Now, obviously, we're doing this before free agency. I would love for them to sign somebody like uh, Melvin Gordon, like, and then maybe attack one of those guys in later rounds like Jerome Ford. I'm a huge fan of Jer Jerome Ford or Tyler Al Algier. But if they strike out in free agency with somebody like Melvin Gordon, then I think if this guy's here in the third round, I would absolutely love them making this selection for sure. For a guy, though, who talks so much about like, oh, Zach Wilson can't hit the middle of the field. Oh, Zach Wilson can't hit the middle of the field. And you've got guys like Jeremy Rucker and guys like Trey McBride possibly still being on the board here or even the lesser realm, Jake Ferguson, Kate Otten, and guys, Isaiah Likely. Like, why wouldn't you grab a guy who can take that pressure off Zach Wilson and allow him to throw over the middle of the field when if you, even if you look back at those 49ers teams you love, I mean, Trey Sermon might be an exception, but most of the guys that they were selecting at running back weren't very highly touted and even in other outside zone schemes you're not looking necessarily at guys who were second round or top 70 picks you were looking at guys who were out of the top 100 well most of the teams that run effective outside zone actually do have studs like Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb it's really the 49ers are the only team that really is able to find these later round prospects if we're being like, completely honest but my uh, argument against that, though, is we're looking for if you're saying like uh, maybe you want Hall to be the feature back or have that two headed monster, which I think would be a huge value. I, I'm not disagreeing. I'm just saying, though, if you're looking more of, I guess, the way maybe I am and Meigs, I'm curious your opinion on this as more of like a complimentary back style. That's where I would lean more the Jerome for the Tyler Algier. And that's where I would kind of be a little less. I'd be a little more hesitant to go with the 69 or 68 69th pick yeah in this role i have michael carter being the tevin coleman in this offense and i think that that's probably a better role for him and they should probably bring a guy who's better on first and second down because of his kind of penchant for injury that's really what it is and listen as far as the tight ends yeah i mean jeremy ruckert's great but he's right now more of a blocking tight end and i feel like you could find somebody like that in free agency as much as i like jeremy ruckert and like I said, it takes a long time sometimes for these tight ends to really adjust to the NFL. It's probably one of the hardest positions in all of the NFL to adjust to the next level. I mean, that's just, that's just a fact. I mean, after quarterback, it's probably the hardest transition in all of the NFL. So I have Riesel ranked higher than Jeremy Record. And I think Jeremy Record is trying to talk himself out of coming to the Jets anyway. I don't know what he said today at a press conference, but he's saying that Buffalo was the only team in New York and all of his friends are like Buffalo Bills fans or something like that. So I know he grew up a Jets fan, but it doesn't seem to me like he really wants to wear a Jets uniform. I mean, I could be wrong. Maybe he was just joking around, but I, I did hear some noise about that today. And there isn't another tight end that I would take here over Brees Hall. I think Brees Hall, and I'm not going to, and I'll just put it plain and simple. Like I, if somebody took him in the first round, I wouldn't even be shocked. I think he's a very good running back. The more I watch these guys, I feel like the running back class is a lot better than I originally thought. I think him, Spiller, and Kenny Walker could potentially be very, very good 
running backs to the next level. And Brees Hall in the third round, I think, is a steal. I know we haven't really talked to you, Meeks. I know you're probably going to side with Dylan, but what's going on? What are your thoughts? Um, so, Joe, I'll put it to you this way. I think Brees Hall is a steal at 69. I think that just based on how I look at this draft class, that he has the talent and he deserves to be a top 50 pick. And I have zero qualms about that. Um, I do agree with your point about Michael Carter, about his durability being a question and the Michael and the Tevin Coleman role that we envision in Atlanta being the best role for him. I do agree with that to an extent. I just think that when you need two safeties, when your offensive line is complete, you need more receivers, you need two tight ends that, this this pick is perfect using a second rounder or an early third rounder. It's perfect for the 2023 draft for the Jets. And I just think you got to get the roster a little bit better. And then I have zero issues using a running back pick to be that focal guy to find your stud running back that you hope can be the Dalvin Cook, that you hope could be the Nick Chubb of like this outside zone scheme. I just think for what are the rosters at now, I just can't. I think Brees Hall is going to be a better player than some of the guys available, but I think some of the guys are going to be more in this. We just, they need better at those positions before we get to running back. Yeah, but even for this particular mock and why I even started to lean towards Brees when I saw him here on my board is because we didn't go for an offensive lineman. And like I said, really good running backs make offensive linemen look better. And this guy is amazing at creating, especially in zone, running defenders into blockers. His vision is excellent. I mean, he is like, I mean, honestly, I was a little shocked because I did the summer scouting on Brees Hall. And there were some things that I didn't like about him. I felt like he was a little indecisive uh, between the tackles and things of that nature. But he's really grown as a running back. And I, I feel like he'd be a huge asset to that offense. I understand what you're saying about 2023. And on draft night, you know, I'm probably going to want them to lean in a different direction as well. But if they picked him here in the third round, I, that's a steal, man. You know, he's one of these guys who I don't, I don't even think belong in the third round. And as far as building the rest of this team there, listen, there isn't a good offensive line here. There's an offensive lineman here. I would take over him. You know, there isn't a linebacker that I would take over him. There isn't a tight end on my board here that I would take over him as well. I feel like he's the best player on the board. He fills a need. And like I said, Carter's proclivity for injury seems real. Mm -hmm. It really does. You know, he's a smaller guy. NFL has bigger bodies. And I'm hoping that it was maybe an anomaly and that's not going to be the way it is in the future. But as of right now, that's where he's at. And this team needs a good running back. But again, I'll reiterate, I would love for them to get somebody like Melvin Gordon in free agency. I know some people have been throwing the name Leonard Fournette out there. I'm not a big Leonard Fournette to the Jets kind of guy. I don't think he's a scheme fit. I don't want to throw people under the bus who've been talking about Leonard Fournette, but he's really much better in like, you know, duo and gap runs as opposed to like a heavy outside zone system. Melvin Gordon would be the perfect kind of help to somebody like Michael Carter, where then you can take a Jerome Ford later or a Tyler Argier or a Rashad White potentially. So if they did something like that in free agency, yeah. But if they didn't, it's just Michael Carter back there right now and Brees Hall is on the board, I'm turning in the card, bottom line. All right. Well, Joe keeps saying that uh, there we haven't taken an offensive lineman, that we need help at tight end. And yours truly has back-to-back picks in the fourth round. Shout out to Sam Darnold trade. Shout out to Jamal Adams trade. And guys, um, this the first guy I'm taking – after uh, tomorrow night, after he tests, I don't know if he's going to be here, but for the sake of the exercise, I'm going for it. I'm pulling the trigger. Uh, I'm taking Greg Dulcich. I think that's how you say it at UCLA. That guy is an absolute 
uh, baller. I love that guy. He's so much fun to watch. He's so he's I don't his blocking. It's all effort. It's not really technique. He's got to work on that. I would like to pair him with a veteran tight end that you add in free agency. But dude, that guy's an athlete, and that guy give him two years, give him three years. He's going to be a great football player, and he's going to be a fun weapon to add to this offense. Greg Dulcich, the Croatian sensation, dude. Yes. <laughs> I can't argue with that one, Meeks, but he is a pretty bad blocker right now. But he's a great route runner. I think that, you know, I would be willing to allow him to learn to be a better blocker. I think the Jets have people in place to, to teach him that stuff. So I, I think he's got just a huge upside type tight end. I know he's like now in Daniel Jeremiah's top 50, which is pretty interesting. Um, so listen, man, I'm into it. I will say, though, that in that UCLA game, versus uh Oregon Kayvon Thibodeau abused Greg Dulcich oh, yeah exactly that's you gotta, gotta get those camp rivalries going back together so, so now they're teammates and I think it would make for an interesting camp battle for sure yeah a little PTSD for uh Dulcich the second he steps to the line and sees Thibodeau again but both on the same team but yeah I I really love this pick I think you kind of hit the nail on the head uh both of you I think if he can develop as a blocker I think this would be a home run because I think he already brings a lot to the table as a receiver. And also, honestly, I'd rather take the shot on a better receiver than a better blocker as much as I did just make the case for Rucker or one of those guys, because I'm so damn tired of watching guys like Ryan Griffin and Daniel Brown, who are, you know, decent blockers, try to pretend to be receivers. I'd rather have a guy in here who could develop as a blocker. So I love it. Home run. Perfect. And Joe, um, you might yell at me, say this is too early for this guy, but we all have differing opinions on Connor McGovern. Um, I don't think he's a great center. I don't think he's a glaring need where you need to spend a first round pick on someone like Tyler Linderbaum. But I know I was digging through the centers in this draft class. I found a guy. I think he's got good athleticism, got some good traits, someone I'd like to develop out of Nebraska. I'm going Cam Jurgens here. Cam Jurgens? Yeah. Are you serious, me? Dead serious, Joe. In the fourth round. Yeah, I don't know. It was a, this isn't a seven-round mock. I was like, it's more of a YOLO pick, but I was like, yeah, why not? Now, I'm going to tell you, I've watched, like, all of, like, almost nothing of Cam Jurgens. You said he's from Nebraska? Yeah, he's a Nebraska. All I can tell you is that Nebraska has probably the worst offensive tackle tandem in all of football. Um, as far as the center, I didn't really concentrate too much on the center when I was watching them, so I'm interested. So, to honestly, the fact that he wasn't, he wasn't messing up so bad that you did notice him, I take that as a good sign. That is a pretty good point, Meeks. So, all right, if you're – listen, Meeks, if he's yeah. going to need nod – yeah, he's a little Nick Harrisy, and I, you know, he's a, that's a good developmental center you want to take a chance on. So you would rather go with this guy than say Cole Strange or Dylan Parham? Dude, Dylan Parham wasn't on the board. I'm sorry to tell you, I think Dylan Parham's going to go in round three. So I was trying to be a little realistic. Cole Strange, I think, is a good player, and I'm very curious about his fit in this scheme. I think we'll see. But uh, and I know he was just on the TOJ pod, so shout out to him. I heard it's a great interview. Make sure you're subscribed and listening to that. But uh, you know, I want to go with a little off the beaten path pick here, and I went that with that. Uh, that was definitely off the beaten path for sure. What do you think, Dylan? Are you into this pick? Um, with Cole Strange, uh, you know, now friend of TOJ, staring at you. I can't say I love it, but you know. It's an investment off on the offensive line. So I'm a little surprised that you're so uh, apprehensive about it, Joe. But uh, no, I, I mean, I, I'm not going to be mad about taking the developmental center here and going interior, but I, I probably would have went Cole Strange. Yeah, I definitely want to see 
Joe Douglas invest in a later round offensive lineman and develop one. I mean, it's something that he's kind of failed to do with Cam Clark. I know it's only been two drafts prior to this, but it would be cool if he was able to do it. And if it's with your guy, Meeks, that would be very interesting. I, I was hoping that we went a little strange and, and maybe we did get a little strange with your pick, but regardless, it is the offensive line. It is somebody who, if he pans out, will certainly help Zach Wilson and, and the team. So yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to complain too much about it, because, especially because I haven't watched it. Meeks. I'm not going to tell yeah, you, I hate honestly, a player. Joe, well, actually... This is, this is your homework assignment for next week. I want you to either come back and say, Meeks, you're a genius or Meeks, you're an idiot with nothing in between. Yeah, I'm hoping it's more in the uh, the genius uh, realm over there for sure. Okay, all right, Joe. So you're going to finish off this five rounder with uh, the last pick of the night. So where are you? Uh, where 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 are you going to end this for us? Wow, you know, I'd almost would rather double dip on the offensive line now because of that that pick right there. But Cole Strange is off my board for whatever reason. He's gone, and you know what, Meeks? We got to keep giving Zach Wilson some weapons. I agree with that. You talked about double dipping at wide receiver. And there's this wide receiver from Texas Tech called Eric Ekuzama, who right now I'm calling the poor man's Traylon Burks. He's a big bodied receiver who is strong and physical, love his tenacity after the catch and his ability to get those extra yards. He's not afraid of contact and fights for every inch, which is exactly what you want, especially from my angle and somebody who's looking for that bully ball. Dude is pretty twitched up too and, and moves incredibly for a six foot three inch, 220 pound receiver. He can stretch the field vertically and has some nice releases versus press coverage on the outside. Love the way he high points a ball and his ball tracking is pretty much up there with some of the better receivers in the draft. Overall, he's just a, a super versatile prospect from jet sweeps to screens, some carries out of the backfield even or in the slot or outside. This guy can do it all. He can wear a lot of hats for this offense. And I think that he's a very upside player for sure. I know that you're in the, uh, you know, the part of the Ekuzama hive with Dan Essien. So it looks like TOJ is definitely, you know, in that, uh, in that camp. Now I will say he is a bit of an inconsistent route runner, you know, really, but at times his routes are kind of outstanding. And I may, I don't want to be like hyperbolic with that. It's not hyper. They really are, you know, especially on short hitches or comebacks. He has cornerbacks pretty much seeing ghosts and looks super twitched up and gets open seamlessly. But listen, at times versus off coverage on, say, an intermediate dig, he doesn't attack leverage like I'd want, or, you know, on slant, he could be pretty predictable. Still, big-time potential with this prospect on day three of the draft. I expect him to be a big riser after the combine. Now, I feel like he's going to run fast. He looks fast to me, Meeks, but he had a 4-6-40 in high school, so I don't know how you feel about that. But regardless, I love this guy. I think this is a fifth-round steal, um, and I think that, listen – you're giving Zach just another weapon, man. And I think that that's what this team needs. We don't know what's going to happen with Corey Davis going in the future. You have now a wide receiver core with Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson, Corey Davis, and you add somebody like Eric Kukuzama in there. And I think you got the makings of a pretty potent group. And I, I am curious to uh, hear what you have to say. I know you already love him, but you know, what, what do you want to add, Meeks? Oh, I was thrilled that you decided to make this selection. I'm thrilled that you found this guy. He's a guy who I think being a little slept on. We'll see if he blows up the combine and really starts to make that rise to the early day three, maybe even late day two selection. But what I really like about Akuzama's game is that, yeah, the routes need work, but he's such a dog. I think he's a guy who can get on as a rookie and play special teams. I think he can really help out in the run blocking from wide receivers because I love Elijah Moore. He's, that's not his game. 
Garrett Wilson is a willing uh, in that regard, but he doesn't have the big frame that you want to be sealing edges and like sealing blocks like you see like an Alan Lazard do or some of the bigger Packer receivers do. And I think Akuzama fits that mold perfectly. But so just getting him on the field in special teams and blocking and then slowly have him coming along as a receiver, I think is a very wise investment. Dylan, what do you think? I like it. Um, I'm I'm very much on that same wavelength as you guys where I think this would be a good pick. I think it'd just be good to add depth. And I think he's also someone who could work on special teams, like you said, Meigs. Um, not going to lie and say I've watched a ton of tape on him, but I definitely think um, from what I have seen of him, he looks pretty good. So I think there's definitely raw potential to be developed and never going to be mad about adding more players like this and adding more potential weapons for Zach Wilson. I'm glad you guys like it. Well, let's go through these draft picks. I mean, like, and let's seriously grade the process of us guys getting together and trying to build a team right now. How do you think we did? Did we plug some holes? Did we make the team better? Did we whiff? Honestly, I give us like, I feel like this is like a solid B plus draft. I think what stops it from being like, or even maybe a B if you want to get a little more harsh with it. I think what stops this from being an A minus be like higher end grade is that you're going to have to have signed a good free agent guard in my opinion like you have to have gotten James Daniels maybe even you know broke the bank for Brandon Scherf if it came to it like you're gonna have to have like a good plus starter that you added in free agency along with bringing LDT back for I think which would be a good depth signing that your debts to definitely make this draft work and definitely feel great about it so I think with not knowing that variable is like where some people are going to have a hang on with it also I think a lot of people are going to yell at you Joe for taking your running back oh I'm sure I'm I'm perfectly fine with the heat. Bring it on. I agree. If we don't sign a codified plug and play type player at right guard, like James Daniel or Scherf, then this is a pretty kind of a suspect draft. And that's why I feel like Aquanu is, well, kind of makes a little bit more sense in that regard with the fourth pick. If we went into this draft in that scenario, you know, like if we go into this dra- into the draft and we didn't do anything about right guard, I think and Aquanu's on the board compared to Thibodeau. Me personally, I'm going with Aquanu there for sure. Or I'm taking Linderbaum at 10 to pair with Kayvon. This defense sucked last year, you guys. I mean, it doesn't matter how many points we score if we're giving up 40 a game. So I, I'm i not mad about how heavy we went on defense, especially with our first or with three of the first four picks. I mean, I think Daxton Hill ends up being actually a really good pick and ends up possibly starting. I think if you look at the what, Thibodeau and Winfrey could provide I mean you said it yourself Joe I mean that's a defensive front that has a lot of potential to really wreck some havoc and make some noise and also allow for Salah to kind of play the brand of football he wants and kind of allow for these younger corners to develop and hit their stride and then kind of take some of the pressure off them by really forcing a quarterback to be uncomfortable but you know I I don't love how late we waited, I think that's the consensus, how late we waited on an offensive lineman. I think that that would drop my grade to probably a B or B minus. I think that even when we did address the offensive line, it probably wasn't to the caliber it should have. I think if one of us should have been probably a little more apt to go offensive line in the second or maybe even had swallowed our pride and not done receiver Thibodeau. Um, but I, I – I can't be mad about this draft and the fact that this defense really did suck last year and adding Thibodeau, adding Winfrey, adding Hill, and just adding some developmental pieces could really make an impact to this team. 
And I think that there are still guys that were added as much as I don't love the Brees Hall pick. I think it takes some pressure off Zach Wilson. I think Garrett Wilson coming in and really is going to help Zach Wilson. And then I also think Durich. I mean, that is a pick that he could grow with Zach Wilson. So I think there's a lot of potential with this class. I think this is a realistic class, honestly. If they go with a signing in free agency, this could be a more realistic class than anything you're probably going to see Jets fans. So I, I don't hate this draft by any means. I think all four, with James included, would be happy about this. But I am a little stunned with the offensive line guys kind of outweighing the Meigs and James who are a little more skill position oriented. I am a little surprised, Joe, that we didn't have like three or four hour offensive linemen. And instead we probably had our weakest offensive line mock that we've done since I joined the pod. Well, I I feel like I kind of did that on purpose. I wanted you guys to see what a mock draft would look like if we skipped on a Quanu and we got to the second round and there weren't guys there that I was willing to take. And then we got deeper into the third round. And there were just people I had higher on my board that I wasn't willing to take a chance in the offensive line, you know, when there are just better players there. And I think that's the risk you take when you go with Thibodeau over Aquanu. And, but like I said, listen, and we keep going back and forth on this, but you know, I'm perfectly fine with Thibodeau, but they most certainly better be going into the season with somebody like James Daniels or Scherf and not like Dr. Tardif. Like I think Tardif is, is fine, but I think he is, a backup caliber player. And it's kind of almost like just rinse and repeat of the, you know, Alex Lewis, uh, Greg Van Roden kind of selections where everybody was hoping they would be good. And then just, well, it turned out not to be, you know, it turned out to be a huge liability and a weak spot on the chain. So I, I think it was a solid beat. You know, I like obviously Hall better than you guys do, but Kayvon Thibodeau, Garrett Wilson, uh, Daxton Hill, I, I think is a total beast, a bona fide center fielder and something I think this, te- this team is missing with guys like Ashton Davis and obviously May is, is going to be gone. Love Brees Hall. I think he could be the feature back. Dulcich, high upside tight end for sure. Um, I am a, a little you know, worried about the blocking and I am a little tired of seeing like guys like Connor McDermott come out and playing like quasi tight end for this team, which he does a lot more than people realize. Um, and that center, I don't know, but if he is as good as you think he is, Meeks, then I'm cool with that. And then I, I really love the wide receiver we took in the fifth round. I think that guy is one of the more upside players in the entire draft. So I think, like you said, Dylan, it is more realistic. So many of these mocks we see on Twitter, and we're all guilty of this, are just like, you know, Zion Johnson and like all these people in the second round, which he might be there, but I don't think he will. And, you know, even when Jermaine Johnson was going in the second round and things of that nature, it was it's just, this is definitely more along the lines of what we probably will see on draft night for sure. And I don't know if the Jets will go running back, but like I said, if they went with somebody like Brees in that spot, I think it would be a smart move considering everything we know about Michael Carter and just the uh, the running back room as is, as it's as it currently stands. Yeah, no, I uh, totally agree with you, Joe. I think that what the general thing that we need to realize is that the Jets have a lot of holes, and even after free agency and after the draft, that not all of them are going to be filled. I think to everyone's liking where you feel completely confident in certain position groups. And I do think it's scary for fans and should be scary for fans. If the offensive line is the one that they came up a little short in, but before we go, Dylan, I need to ask you a question that I should have asked you when you made the pick. And um, this is on me. So completely, you know, everyone, you can yell at me on Twitter. Was Travis Jones on the board when you took Winfrey? Uh, Travis Jones was on the board when I, yeah, he's better than Perry Winfrey. You should have taken him. That's my final step. I I heavily disagree on that. Me, Travis Jones is a beast. I I disagree on that. I think Winfrey's better than Jones. And I would even argue that Winfrey's compatible with uh, your boy, Logan Hall, Joe. 
I feel like as far as like where I'm going to have them ranked, they'll be pretty closely ranked. But I feel like for this team, I, when you look at the, the 49ers and just like some of their defensive tackles, they got rid of Bruckner. They, they drafted Kinlaw. He hasn't really worked out, but they've been doing pretty good, you know, with kind of like the lower tier defensive tackles. So I don't know that this defensive line really needs, you know, that kind of beast. I think obviously it's going to help, no question about it. I think it's more a, a defensive line that really kind of lives and dies with its edge players. And that's why I would lean, you know, Logan Hole there over Winfrey. But dude, I'm a big Winfrey fan, and I'm not going to certainly complain if they do have a stout, you know, group in on the interior for sure. And like I said, they gave uh, uh, Quinn his fifth year option. And I think that's just a way of saying to them, like, yeah, you're playing your fifth year. And, you know, we have you under contract for another year. I don't think it's like a sign that they're in love with Quinn. And I think that this is a really make or break year for him. So picking Winfrey there, I'm cool with, man. You know, Winfrey, Q, Kayvon Thibodeau, Carl Lawson, JFM. Dude, you know, I think quarterback should be a little afraid of that lineup. I, I have to admit. Yep, there we go, Jets fans. We finally built you a defensive line that you've been clamoring for for years on end. This was another great episode. I'm sure we're all going to have a bunch of Wago takes when James comes back about which guy fell in the combine, which guy rose to God knows where, because everyone really tends to overreact to this. But in the end of the day, it's a threshold test. It's not really like how important that people seem to make it have to be. But make sure you subscribe to the pod. Make sure you subscribe to Badlands, and we'll see you next week.